Today on the Rogue Retirement Lounge, health savings accounts, a deep, deep dive. If you're self-employed, if you're a gig worker or solopreneur, you've come to the right place to learn how to retire wealthier, retire sooner, and retire happier. This is the Rogue Retirement Lounge. Okay, today I want to give you a complete overview of health savings accounts or HSAs. Well, as complete as I can give you in the next 15 minutes or so. So what's an HSA? Well, if you're not familiar with this savings vehicle, you really should be. In the most basic terms, it's an account where you save money specifically for health-related expenses. Not earth-shattering or sexy, but you know what is sexy about the HSA? The triple tax advantage you get by participating in one. First, your contributions to the HSA are tax deductible. So it's like an IRA. Every dollar you put in is deducted from your taxable income, potentially saving you, depending on your tax bracket and what state you live in, a nice chunk of change. Next, the money inside your HSA, if you're investing it, grows tax-free for the life of the account. And third, when you pull your money out of the HSA to pay qualified expenses, you pay no taxes on the withdrawals. That's right. Tax deductible going in, like pre-tax, tax-free growth, and tax-free withdrawals. This is why I tell all my self-employed friends to open an HSA and max it out every year. So who's qualified for an HSA? Well, pretty much anyone who is enrolled in a high-deductible health plan and not enrolled in a, some other disqualifying health care coverage. So if you're on one of those low-deductible Cadillac health plans, you won't be eligible for an HSA. Also, if you're already enrolled in Medicare, that is a disqualifier. And finally, if you're being claimed as a dependent on someone else's tax return, you're not eligible. So how do you know if your health insurance is quote-unquote high-deductible? Well, You've probably seen this when you shop for health insurance. For the last few years, plans that qualify you to participate in an HSA are labeled uh, on the marketplace as something like HSA eligible. So it's easy to pick out a qualifying plan each year during the open enrollment while you're comparing plans. Now, just because your insurance comes with a high deductible, it doesn't necessarily mean that it qualifies you to participate in an HSA. So be sure to pick one out that specifically states that it's HSA eligible. Okay, so what can I use my HSA funds for? Well, the HSA can cover your deductible. It can cover qualified healthcare expenses that insurance plans might not cover or that would be part of your deductible. Uh, it can cover co-payments that you pay up until the point where you reach your insurance plans like out-of-pocket maximum uh, and qualified medical, dental, or vision expenses that might not be covered by your health insurance. So I'm going to give you more detail a bit later, but uh, that's the, the basics. So in 2021, the contribution limits for HSAs are $3,600 for individuals or $7,200 for families or couples. If you're 55 or older, you can make additional catch-up contributions of $1,000 a year uh, for an individual or $2,000 for a married couple. So why am I so pro-HSA? Well, according to Fidelity's Retiree Healthcare Cost Estimate, if you're an average retired couple age 65 in 2021, you might need approximately $300,000 to cover healthcare expenses over the course of your retirement. Now, the total amount that you're going to need clearly is going to depend on where you uh, are, where you live, when you retire, how healthy you are, your lifestyle, how long you live. 
But regardless, that number is a pretty scary baseline. But get this. According to an RBC Wealth Management report that I found titled Taking Control of Healthcare in Retirement, the projected lifetime healthcare costs for a 65-year-old couple retiring in 2021 is actually a whopping $662,156, over twice as much as Fidelity estimates. And by the way, you really should check out this RBC report. It's got a ton of great information about the healthcare issues that we're all going to have to deal with in retirement. It's well-constructed. It's easy to understand. It's got easy-to-read charts and graphs. It's got some great HSA info, and it's free. So I'll have a link in the show notes and at rogueretirementlounge.com slash 22, since this is episode 22. So basically... Based on these, uh, the Fidelity and the RBC, uh, th- those those widely disparate numbers, it's impossible to predict how much you're going to spend on healthcare and retirement. But just count on it being a lot of money. That's why I think everyone who can should be maxing out their annual HSA contributions and doing so in an account that offers the ability to easily invest that money to maximize returns. Uh, more on that in a bit. Now. One reason that I've heard that people don't use an HSA is that they've been conditioned by other employer-based health savings vehicles that the money is a use-it-or-lose-it proposition. So if you've had a real job that offered an FSA or flexible savings account, you're probably familiar with that concept. You know, Remember when, when everyone is in a mad rush uh, to order glasses or get their tooth fixed the last week of December, hoping to spend all of the money that they put in throughout the year that's about to evaporate. That's the use it or lose it FSA model. I know for me, uh, I, when I was a single guy in my 30s, I had a soul-crushing corporate job with an FSA option. Um, and the three years that I participated, I left money on the table. So I was like, fuck this. I'll hold on to my cash and deal with my medical expenses on my own. But just know this, the HSA is not a use it or lose it account. It can grow for years and keep on growing until you decide to use it. Um, now, in general, you can't use your HSA to pay your your actual insurance premiums. But if you're unemployed or you become disabled, you can use money in your account to pay the premiums. Now, you can also make COBRA payments from your HSA if you become unemployed, um, if you like started out with a real job, and you can pay long-term care premiums. Now, as with everything I'm saying, do your homework, learn the specifics before you start paying for things that might not actually be qualified expenses. Information here is for entertainment purposes only and all that. Now, when you retire, the HSA becomes even more flexible in the fact that you can use it to pay for your Medicare premiums in addition to your out-of-pocket expenses like deductibles, co-pays, co-insurance, with the exception of Medigap. So you can pay your Medicare Part A, B, C, and D with your HSA, which is pretty cool, you know. But once you're on Medicare, you can no longer contribute to your HSA. So again, max out those contributions now. Real quick, I want to play with some numbers. So say that you are single and you plan to retire and enroll in Medicare when you're 65. And say right now you're 50 years old. Now to keep things easy, let's pretend that the maximum contribution is going to remain at $3,600 per year, just, just so that I don't have to do any funny math. So break out your Compoundy app, 
Um, if you don't have it yet, I love this thing. Um, it's awesome. Compound D C O M P O U N D E E. Um, and let's say you put in the max contribution for the next 15 years and you put it into a basic S and P index fund that earns you an average of 9% per year. You're going to retire with $115,212 banked up to pay for your health related expenses. And if you start pulling out, let's say six grand a year to pay for your miscellaneous bills, that nut is going to keep on growing and most likely should take care of the vast majority of your healthcare costs into uh, for the for the remainder of your retirement. Now, of course, this doesn't take into account long term care. Um, I'm not going to open that can of worms here. Anyway, that's tax free money that you're going to need. So that means less money that you're going to have to pull out of your IRAs and potentially pay taxes on to keep yourself alive. Now, here's another cool thing about the HSA. If you incur costs today, but you don't want to tap into your HSA yet, you can just keep your receipts and reimburse yourself later. So one thing that I'm going to start doing this year is paying for everything medical related uh, out of my pocket so that I can just let my HSA grow. Uh, and then, uh, and this is a total guess, but say I spend two grand a year in prescriptions, copays and whatnot, uh, and I'm going to retire in six years, uh, 11 months. So if I decide to reimburse myself that first year of retirement for the medical expenses between now and then, I'll take a nice $14,000 tax-free reimbursement check out of my HSA. And that's super cool. So how and where do you open your HSA? Well, when I first opened mine, I did it with my local credit union where I have my personal checking account. And that was a mistake. Now, why was that? Well, it was basically just a bank account that was giving me like half a percent interest. Um, so last year, I opened an HSA at Fidelity and rolled the money from that bank account into my new one. And at Fidelity, you get all the same benefits of a bank account, like for instance, you know, a debit card and, you know, statements and whatnot. But you can invest your money into pretty much anything you want as far as traditional stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds. So I've got mine in some commodity funds that are actually kind of floundering right now, but I think they're going to explode in the next year or two, which is going to be fun to watch. So where exactly can you open an HSA? Well, the account has to be held by a custodian that's a financial institution. So it's not like you can just, and, and it's got to be designated as an HSA. So it's not like you can just throw money into a savings account and that counts, or you can't just save cash and hope that that counts. So there's a good chance that your bank has an HSA option, but I'd look for a custodian that allows some flexibility for investing your money. So as I said, I use uh, Fidelity and it's fine. But if you want to check your options, there's uh, you should check out Investopedia's Best HSA Providers Guide. And that's got a list of seven different providers with a description of fees, investing options, and pros and cons. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay, so you may be asking, what exactly are qualified medical expenses? Can I reimburse myself if I go to GNC and buy prostate pills and creatine? Well... Here's some of the IRS language from their publication 502 defining qualified medical expenses. This isn't an exhaustive list, but this is a little bit more detail. So what are medical expenses that are qualified? Those are the costs of diagnosis, cure, mitigation, treatment, or prevention of disease, and the costs 
for treatments affecting any part or function of the body. These expenses include payments for legal medical services rendered by physicians, surgeons, dentists, and other medical practitioners. They also include the cost of equipment, supplies, and diagnostic devices needed for these purposes. These expenses must be primarily used to alleviate or prevent a physical or mental defect or illness. And they do not include expenses that are merely beneficial to general health, such as vitamins, unless prescribed, or a vacation. So uh, if your doctor prescribes you a vitamin B shot in your ass and then tells you to go fly fishing to reduce your stress, your HSA can reimburse the shot, but not the fishing trip. And finally, medical expenses include the premiums for long-term care insurance, COBRA premiums, and insurance premiums paid during periods of unemployment. Other long-term care expenses beyond premiums can also be paid for from an HSA, but you're going to want to check the IRS publications for further details. Now, since the HSA is kind of like a turbocharged IRA for health expenses, you may be wondering if you're going to have to deal with RMDs when you reach a certain age. And the answer is no. There are no required minimum distributions at any point with HSAs. And uh, what about income limits? Okay, with Roths, once you reach a certain income level, you can't contribute. But with HSAs, there are no income limits. And the contributions that you make are tax deductible no matter what your income is. So what if you really want to get started on your HSA, but you don't have the cash? Well, there's a rollover option where you can roll money directly from an IRA into your HSA. Now, there are some details that you're going to want to know, and there's a pretty succinct little article at Investopedia about the mechanics of these rollovers, um, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, or you can just go to rogueretirementlounge.com 22 for that link and the links to the other resources that I talk about in this episode. But just know that the IRA to HSA rollover thing can only be done one time in your lifetime, so remember that. Okay, so... That is a basic rundown of the HSA for 2021. So as things change with this savings plan, I'll keep you updated. But just know that for most of us self-employed people, it's it, to me, it's really a must-do. I mean, money goes in pre-tax, it grows tax-free, and withdrawals are tax-free if you spend them on qualifying expenses. And that's gold, I tell you. Gold. So pop over to Fidelity and open one pronto if you're eligible. That's it for now. But before I sign off, if you would do me a solid and subscribe to this podcast, I'd really appreciate it. Or if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, uh, now that they've changed the little uh, interface on that, if you could hit the little plus mark at the top of the screen to follow this show, they're not calling it subscribe anymore. Um, I would really appreciate that. And if you want to support the show, now I'm not making any money doing this, but uh, if you were to go to Rogue Retirement Lounge dot com slash blog slash points and sign up for your own Marriott Bonvoy rewards credit card, you'll get awesome Marriott benefits and I, your host, will get bonus Marriott points for referring you. It's a win-win. Um, I've been a Marriott rewards member since I think 2003 um, and it's enabled me to stay for free in Sydney, Melbourne, Hong Kong, uh, Paris, uh, Barcelona, 
um, a couple years ago in uh, Tokyo. So, I mean, it, and, and you got to also know that in general, if you're doing international trips, you spend more on the hotel than you do on the flights. So hotel points are gold. Anyway, there's my pitch on Marriott points. So if you go to my uh, site, once again, that's Rogue Retirement Lounge slash blog slash points and follow the link, uh, you'll get awesome Marriott benefits and I'll get some bonus points. So um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So have an awesome rest of your week. I'm heading to Detroit to visit my fucking nightmare of a rental property and my inept property managers. Um, and hopefully, hopefully I'll get some work done on the place. So wish me luck on that. Um, and if you have any good Detroit area restaurant recommendations, email me at matt at roguetirementlounge.com. And I will talk to you later. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 